Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on and Winston. Texas Criminal Defense. Yeah, this gets a little bit wordy, though, doesn't it? He's well, usually here. And he never speaks. He's like a silent partner. Yeah, that's what I need. I need I need more silent partners when I can't even get someone to be in a partnership. <laughs> you don't want anybody in a partnership. That's true. I actually yeah. kind of like avoiding it. Yeah. You've been busy. I have. Yeah, you've got a lot of work uh, coming your way, or, or at least that's been happening lately. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I we, we talked recently about some motions to suppress and pretrial yeah. uh, motions I filed. I'm in that battle again. Uh, had a motion to suppress hearing this morning and have a motion to quash hearing in a few weeks. Um, both of which I think I, well, the one this morning, I think I should win. The state obviously doesn't agree. Uh, and the one that's coming up uh, August 1st is even more exciting. Anytime you can, you, anytime you say the court doesn't have venue, that starts getting interesting. I can't wait to get into those, but that's what we'll be talking about today. Okay. Um, the, and I, I love how you said like, well, the state disagrees. Like when has the state re- like ever really agreed? With I've had us? a few where I've sent the motion to suppress in and the prosecutor looks at it and goes, you're referring to this case, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. And they go, yeah, okay. Dismissed. <laughs> uh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Andrew's much better at these than I am. Maybe it's just my, my, um, you know, just dis- general disagreeability with, uh, with prosecutors as a whole. Well, I'm likable. Uh, that's, true. <laughs> that's true okay so you had a hearing today on yes. a motion to suppress yes. we were talking about this before recording it's a it's a pretty interesting area to file a suppression on so give us like just a general fact pattern of what happened okay so general fact pattern a uh someone calls 911 regarding the reckless driver okay pretty normal pretty normal um and a bolo goes out and for those of you those of you who don't speak cop uh that is be on lookout and they describe the vehicle and give a license plate number okay so a city officer goes to the basic location of the bolo okay well the person who called 911 is still on the phone going hey we're now leaving the city limits huh We've now, you know, and basically on, you, they don't say it this way, but basically they can say we've left the city limits. We've left the extraterritorial jurisdiction of the city, which would be for those of you playing along at home would be kind of the, the strip of land surrounding most cities, uh, especially ones that aren't touching up against another city where the city has some control. Um, often police in, engage uh it's it's often land that is going to soon be annexed by the city uh sometimes they have to kind of claim it under their extraterritorial jurisdiction before they can annex it um but it's it gives a little bit of buffer to the city it's kind of like uh international wa- the, the the water on the coast before you go into the international waters yeah right okay um but that car has left that area well outside city limits well outside city limits from within the city where the officer first starts looking to where the stop is made, they, they go over 13 miles. So, and this would be a city officer from where the initial complaint came in. Yes. And so he now is pursuing or he is looking for this individual. Uh, yes. Looking for be on lookout. 
So he's looking for your client. Yes. Well outside of city limits. Yes. Okay. Right. I see an issue. Yeah. So, okay. So then, so then proceed with your fact pattern. So the officer then makes a stop and uh, a young person is arrested for DWI. Okay. Right. So DWI case and just in your general, uh, I guess, in the course of your representation, looking for just issue spotting when you're reading an offense report, something just kind of an alarm goes off. Yeah. I realized how far the officer had pursued. Well, again, I'm not going to use pursued. Yeah. Um, The officer was on lookout (laughs) uh, for this for this vehicle. And so then I so he was fo- so the person was still on the person who called in a reckless driver was still on the phone throughout the entire for, for most of it if not all of it and so he's like okay i know they're on the interstate i know they're heading out here and i'm just gonna keep going heading in this direction until right. i find them he could have he could have done any number of things right i mean like he could have radioed in for backup or to a different jurisdiction or sure. tra- transferred it and all that right did he, he didn't do any of that no okay all right. Sorry to interrupt. No, he admits that on the stand. <laughs> I actually asked him, did you, did you notify uh, DPS? Uh, did you notify the sheriff's department? Um, which anytime you basically cross into someone else's jurisdiction, you're supposed to do. He didn't. Um, uh, and at one point he actually says, I don't know if DPS was on duty that morning. DPS. Yeah, that doesn't really I, make sense. I, yeah. That I've never heard DPS go. Yeah. We're not working today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now they may not have been patrolling that portion of the county or the interstate. Yeah, and I know a lot of them are down on the border now. But that, yeah, like you said, they're not going to leave just a stretch Speaking of, of land. going outside your jurisdiction. <laughs> Ooh, burn. Yeah, sorry. I'm sure, Governor Abbott heard that one. Hashtag Greg Abbott. Uh, okay, so he stops your client. Uh, uh, um, eventually, your client's arrested for DWI. So we got the whole DWI thing to go through. So what, tell us more about like the basis for your motion. So the basis of my motion is that an officer primarily is not allowed to leave a a city officer is not allowed to leave the city, uh, in pursuit of a, one of the case law says a malfactor. I like that. And I actually use that in court. Sounds fancy. Um, a malfactor, unless one or two things apply, right? They're serving a warrant on someone who committed a crime within their city, they can then leave to go serve said warrant. But even then, generally, they're going to notify if they leave their city and go into the county territory, the county, the the sheriff's department, or if they go into another city, they're going to notify the other city. Why? For backup, Um, in part because if something else happens, i.e. another crime is committed, it's not in your jurisdiction. Yeah. Right? Um, and it also puts on notice uh, the controlling agency of what's going on in their own in their own region. Um, yeah, I mean that's just you know common courtesy, and actually is written in a lot of their policies too. Yes, right. Uh, and then second, the second reason they can leave is is if they are in pursuit of a malefactor. Is that defined? Uh, yes. Basically, you have to be in contact with them before when you when you engage. So like lights and sirens, uh-huh. the, the, basically the person has to kind of know you have to have contact. Uh, and the case law is pretty clear. You don't have to be in continuous visual contact with the malefactor. If you're the officer. Yeah. It, 
and the example that best example I can come up with is if you go over a hill or you turn a corner, the officer may know you turn the corner, be pretty sure of that and turn the corner behind you. And then there you are again, right? You don't have to be able to see through a wall to know someone turned a corner or that you've gone over the top of the hill and I'm still cresting. Well, as soon as I crest the hill, oh, there you are again. This is, I'm not a three-year-old, right? right? Yeah. This isn't peekaboo. Um, this is what's reasonable. Right? Yeah, so I mean, and that, and that makes sense. Right. I completely agree. But what if you've never made contact? Yeah. So if you've never made contact, I mean, did this guy, did this police officer have his lights and sirens going as he's like trying to find your client? No, he doesn't turn them all on until he within like a mile and a half of the stop. When he sees your client? Yeah. 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 Well outside of his jurisdiction. Yeah. Okay. So not a pursuit. No, in any definite, in any way. And the officer admits on the stand this morning. Yeah, I didn't have a warrant. And no, it wasn't a pursuit. It was a bolo. And those are different. And those are different. Yeah. I mean, just just a general be on the lookout. I mean, like this guy took that bolo and And, and went 13 miles and he had nothing else to do in the city limits. So he's like, I'm going to go out there and get this person. Yeah, well, it was it was like 620 on a Sunday morning. You know, I'm not sure what else he would be doing. Golly. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, something's definitely not right. 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 And so we file a motion to suppress, which all of our listeners know from a prior episode is just saying, Hey, this, this evidence was, um, obtained, uh, unconstitutionally and therefore the court needs to suppress it. Yes, that's exactly right. So and, suppressing means keep it out. Like, don't allow this into the trial or in front of a jury. Or right. If like you that. suppress the stop in this case, there is then no evidence of any malfeasance uh, or crime right. uh, by my client. So essentially means just like, hey, the, the case will be dismissed at that point. Correct. It doesn't, it doesn't equal a dismissal. The, if the state had any other evidence that was not illegally obtained, they would. that's not fruit of the poisonous tree then they, they could be able to proceed. But, but in this so they, case, it would be all of the evidence. Right. They, they might be able to, uh, via witness, right, the 911 caller, get ferry to maintain a lane, right? Right. You could send them a citation, reckless driving, something like that. Because maybe, well, if the, if, if the, if the third party caller comes in and testifies, Proves up all of the elements of the offense. Right. Yeah. Just like if, you know, somebody came in here and, and robbed us today, we don't have to have that on body cam or dash cam for you and I to testify. Well, uh, a person in a mask with a feminine voice about five, four came in with a gun. They were wearing pink shoes, uh, and yoga pants, and they ran out and jumped into a Toyota Camry bearing these license plates and they find them later. As long as we can prove up the elements of they had a gun, it was this person, this is how they were dressed, therefore it's probably this person, you know. Yeah, nobody get any ideas. This is like Fort Knox in here, okay? <laughs> you, you, y'all just, you know, just, just inquire with legal questions. Don't come in here with any bad intentions. I'm just saying you don't have to. It, well, it's one of the questions I get now from clients. Well, they don't have anything on video. And I ask, well, in 1950, when no one had any videos... If a lady at the bank, and at this point, it would have been women tellers, I don't, this wasn't, you know, says, yeah. 
well, this person, and I recognized them, or they took off their mask and they had a very distinctive mustache and beard or whatever, could that person be found guilty of robbing a bank? And they're like, well, yeah. And I said, it's the same thing. Yeah. Right. One witness says these things happened. Yeah. We don't, we don't require a certain amount of evidence. We require that it be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And that, yeah. And that, that the, the jury, uh, when they test the veracity of the witnesses and their credibility says this one's, this one's got enough. Yeah. So, so um, they could, they could get them, get her on, you know, classy traffic. But typically you get a motion to suppress granted. It kicks all your evidence. Case will be dismissed. Yeah. In general, the DWI is going to be dismissed for sure. Assuming I win. Yeah. So the state, the state argued that, well, because of the 911 call, um, that there was continuous contact. And I said, well, that, that may be true, but you know, case law says it has to be with the person. So they, so they're saying it's continuous contact with the person who called 911. Yeah. A- and your client. Yeah. But that, but how is there any way for your client to have noticed that that person called 911? Like that doesn't really make much sense. It, it doesn't. I feel like it's, I feel like it's a stretch. And I argued that. Um, and I said, well, then how far out does the city officer get to go following um, my client? Right. If five miles is, you know, at some point, either it's beyond the extraterritorial jurisdiction in the city limit, or it's not. Yeah. Right. Pass it off to another jurisdiction. Um, public safety is not, which is what they, the state kept arguing, um, and probable cause. And those are not things listed as why you can go. Now, they, they did get to uh, 1403 uh, G. Um, in the code of criminal procedure where, you know, a, uh, a peace officer who sees, uh, an actual crime in their presence can act even if they're outside their jurisdiction. But the point is you're not supposed to follow them to try to find it, right? This would be, if I happen to be, you know, an officer from Weatherford happens to be going home to Brock or one from Arlington happens to be going home to Dallas, right? Lots of officers live outside. I mean, out, out in Parker County, how many Fort Worth PD officers do we see every evening or every morning, um, coming home and coming to work? Uh, you know, if they see it, if they see a crime in their presence, just like any off duty officer can then act as an on duty officer, as long as you're licensed in the state of Texas, you can act with that authority. But you aren't supposed to go looking for it, right? Right. That that there, there's there's a difference. It, it's yeah. It stinks of bad fish to me, and that's the part that bothers me is that is that it stinks of bad fish. We know the officer is no, he's trying to skirt the rules. He he wanted this arrest. He didn't yeah. call. But he didn't follow his proper protocol, which is informing another jurisdiction that he's operating within their jurisdiction. And you're scenario where like you know fort worth like you said they they a lot of them live in alito or you know wherever outside of fort worth so we see them all the time um if they happen to see a call yeah they're probably going to light somebody up and probably going to wait until a sheriff's deputy or somebody within that jurisdiction makes scene relay that information and let them take over right they're not going to come from like fort worth saying hey i know this person's out here somewhere and fort worth extends well into parker county 
Yeah, but right? they're still not. But, yeah, exactly. But you don't get to go, well, I'm going to go, you know, or, or or the Arlington officer goes into Grand Prairie and into Dallas um, yeah. just because, well, you know, I'm kind of looking for someone who might be over here. Right. Yeah. Like I even know they're over here. Yeah. So that's what the state relied on was that 1403, I think you said? Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, and no telling, no telling, right? I think either way, I think it gets appealed. Um, yeah. That would be unless, a good appeal. You know, it'd be an interesting argument, interesting fight. But why not, right? I mean, we got it. Any, um, any indication of how long? I mean, I imagine the judge took this under advisement. Yes, the judge took it under advisement. I'm assuming we'll know by the end of the week, it, it being a Monday right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. We'll keep us posted. I will on that. Anything else you wanted to add on that before we move on? No. Uh, again, I, I, I don't think the officer was, and this is me taking, taking the side of the officer, right? I don't think the officer was trying to act in bad faith or, or be um, purposefully illegitimate. I, I think, right. I'm maybe he didn't know. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I'm just saying. I, I, I run the, I, I make the mistake, I think, a lot of times of holding our officers to a higher standard. I, I think if you're ignorant as a police officer, then that probably means you're acting in bad faith. Um, but, but I mean, and that's just because their job is so important and they often get things wrong, even when they know. Yeah. Even when yeah. they're good officers, you know? Well, but so just to be like out there flying blind, like, well, I'm going to I'm out here in Brock, but damn it, I'm going to stop this person. Right. I've gone into Dallas. Right. Um, but I, I guess I want to give them a little bit of credit. You know, they're, they're, they have a hard job. They cannot know all the information. We can't know all the information. Um, yeah, I am much better suited uh, to the role of Monday morning quarterback. That, that's for damn sure. Yeah, me too. Right. It's much more fun, um, much less uh, problematic. They, yeah, they, they do have a hard job. You're right. And sometimes um, the best way you learn is you make a mistake. Sure. Yes. And that is our role. Right. I mean, I, I've how many times do I tell you with, you know, defense attorneys, we are very good at calling BS on some things. And you, I guarantee you this officer, even if this, the judge uh, denies your motion, this officer is going to think long and hard before he does this again. Yeah, it's going to change a little bit of how he approaches the question. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you and I have learned from our mistakes. We've done something at trial that... that what mistakes? Well, I've done something at trial and I realized, you know, I should have. It would be better if I had... Um, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, we remember the things we mess up way better than we remember the stuff we did right. For 100%. And, oh, and that's, that's what I love about this Tell job. Me, we baby are, Jesus. We are quality control. Yes. And I... Yeah. Um, we are quality control. And I, and I think the more we question police officers on their job, the, the stronger they get and ultimately the safer our communities are. Well, yes. And I think this is what hurts me the most. The constitution is not there to protect the police officer in making an arrest. The constitution is there to protect the person who's being arrested. Yeah. People the, often forget that. Right. And we give the Supreme, you know, uh, the Supreme Court has over the years, uh, whether it's the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals or the U.S. Supreme Court has kind of given little 
caveats, exceptions to the rule, um, other ways for, to uphold, as we say as defense attorneys, they'll do anything they have to to uphold the conviction. Yeah. Um, to the point where how many of our arrests have anything to do with the warrant? None are like very little. Yeah. Right. It's, it's usually, I've had a few people who were catched and released on a drug charge really. So they could go get a warrant. They kind of suspected there was more going on. So they went and got an arrest warrant and then went to the person's house and went and arrested them there knowing they might find more. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, it was they, they use the rule to their advantage. It's it's strange. It is strange. But kudos to you for seeing that issue, writing it up, filing it, and arguing it before the court. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it comes back in your favor. Yeah. Well, really in the favor of my client. Well, yeah. In your favor and your client benefits also. Yeah. So how is a motion to quash different than a suppression? So a motion to quash is attacking the indictment. A motion to suppress is attacking usually the stop or some evidence obtained under a warrant. Um, so the, well, one, often if you file a motion to quash, depending on what, how it's read, this, the state can just amend their, amend their motion, amend their indictment. Um, but if you don't file the motion to quash, you waive the yeah the, the issue, issue on a bill yeah. right so I've, I've filed a motion to quash previously because i i argued that the indictment was too vague um it didn't give a to wit a firearm right it just said like it that wasn't the issue but it sure. just said a deadly weapon you know an assault with a deadly weapon well what deadly weapon yeah right there's nothing in there to provide me with notice of because i might assume a firearm right that's the most common well it was colonel mustard in the library with a candlestick (laughs) you know i need to know that i need to know i'm looking at a candlestick not looking for a firearm anything can be a deadly weapon yeah basically anything can be a deadly weapon as if under the manner and means as used it could produce serious bodily injury or death um sounds like you have that code section memorized I don't know how I pulled that out of my ass. Excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I sounded like a prosecutor right there. Woo, yeah, kind of got a little yeah, excited. Nice. Um, Quoting uh, the law here, something you don't often get on this podcast. That's episode, right. We talk about a lot of stuff, but the law—that's that's kind of a different deal. <laughs> um, but but yes, basically anything can be a deadly weapon, and if you think about it, uh, depending on how you use it, um, lots of things used in the right way in a manner and means um, can be deadly. Uh, I I currently have a murder case. I'm going to probably try with Harmony Sherman uh, that, that a wine glass is the alleged deadly weapon. Oh yeah. Um, Easy. You know? Yeah. I've seen stilettos. Um, I've seen stilettos too. I mean, as a deadly weapon, man. Oh yeah. They're deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hands, feet. I mean, it like, you know, anything. Right. Yeah. And, and depending on who you are, like MMA fighters, professional boxers, their hands, anytime they hit someone outside of the ring can be considered a deadly weapon because they are trained to use their hands as basically yeah. uh, assault weapons. Right. Yeah. Um, so the difference between a motion to quash and a motion to suppress, a motion to suppress is to 
suppress a certain piece of evidence um, in the, the case we just finished, uh, evidence occurring from the stop. If we suppress the stop and everything following, we have no, no evidence of a yeah. DWI and a motion to quash. I'm attacking the indictment itself. Um, that would be the charging instrument in a felony in the state of Texas. Okay. Um, and you have a motion to quash, excuse me, motion to quash hearing coming up, right? Yeah. On, in about three weeks. Um, All right. So this one, this one's really interesting. Um, uh, my client, and I'm actually looking at the motion to quash and dismiss, uh, my client is charged with, uh, the offense of unlawful disclosure of intimate visual materials. Uh, what we so normally call that Mr. Harris? Revenge porn, revenge porn. Yeah. This is a revenge porn case. Yeah. It's my first one. You know, uh, didn't, yeah. Didn't Texas kind of get in some heat, uh, on this? Like they, they didn't pass it for the longest time. It's like a recent, revenge porn is a recent statute. It's right? a fairly recent statute. And part of it is that, you know, let's talk about what we're, what, what the issue is. It's that I have a, have a, usually a picture, maybe a video um, of someone uh, either displaying their genitalia or engaged in an intimate act. And then I use that or I use that and put it out on the internet or I threaten to use it as a way to um, blackmail, coerce, intimidate, harass. Uh, So it, well, I have a freedom of speech. Right, right. Yes, right. you got to balance that against your First Amendment rights. Right, but uh, you know, and, and sometimes, well, now in in the last ten years, the ability for someone to very easily take a picture or a video on their phone, sometimes I didn't have to take the picture, or my client in this case didn't take the picture. The other person sent it to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how most people get pictures. Right. Um, so in this case, uh, one young man sends another young man, a, a I'll, I'll be honest, a very beautiful picture. I was very impressed with this man's physique. Um, uh, not that I'm interested, but just, you know, something pretty when you see it, right? Keep I mean, going anyway. Um, <laughs> so he sends his picture and then later, uh, from another state, a coastal state, um, tied to a unit, the U the, the URL of the computer comes back to a specific university on the coast. Okay. Right. Not in Texas. Well, just, I'm just going to say coastal East coast, West coast. It doesn't matter. Sure. My client has never set foot in the state of Texas. Okay. And they arrest him and extradite him in custody on this charge. Does the victim live in Texas? The victim does live in Texas. I should say alleged victim. Maybe the complainant. That's a better way to put that. Right. Lives in te- it lives in Tarrant County or like in a in the yes. jurisdiction where this case is pending? Uh, Tarrant County, yes. Okay. Right. Tarrant County has, you know, 1.8 million people. He, he's probably not going to be identified from what so I just said. So y- your guy gets a picture from from a citizen of tarrant county and then allegedly disseminates that somewhere yes uh on the interwebs Mm, the the, interwebs the google machine 
Mm-hmm. And complainant files a police report on that. Yeah, basically, one of his friends says, hey, you know, once you know that this other person is sending pictures and going, you're a piece of crap. And so he goes to the police. Okay. So, man, how is this not a, like, I mean, one, this is not a federal charge. I'm, I'm trying to think of any kind of federal crime, and I'm just not, and I don't think there's a federal revenge porn statute. I don't know if there's or not. Um, and that's interesting. I, I would think that it would, the state in which the crime was committed, the crime was committed when he sent this off from his, your client's device or computer or whatever right so they would so that but, would be but he sent it to people living in texas right because mm-hmm. i'm sending it to this other guy's friend may or may not be in tarrant county though well so does so, it matter i mean well, i don't know let, if it matters let, let me read from my motion okay yes. all right so the indictment alleges that the defendant committed the set offense in the county of tarrant state of texas that they disclosed intimate visual material of complaint. And the Code of Criminal Procedure, Article 13, provides that generally a defendant would need to be found in the state or an element of the offense committed in the state and tried in the jurisdiction where the crime was committed. That's kind of what you just brought up. Okay. Article 13.25 provides that a computer crime, so this would be a computer crime, right? Right may be prosecuted in the county in which the victim of the offense resides. Okay. Comma. Oh. Provided that the offense was committed under Chapter 33 of the Texas Penal Code. What is Chapter 33 of the Texas Penal Code? Do we know? We do. Let me, let me uh, pull up my notes. Because it always helps to have notes because I'm not smart enough to remember everything. Um. So if you if we go down here, we find that Texas, uh, well, first of all, Texas Penal Code 21.16 is unlawful disclosure of intimate visual material. Okay. Is it? That's not that's not 33. It didn't sound like chapter 33, did it? No. Um, So the Texas Penal Penal Code uh, Section 33 is computer crimes, and those are. Well, well, there are various ones, but they're all computer crimes. But the point is, 21 does not equal 33. So 21 is, is, the, is the code section where we find this particular charge. Other computer crimes could be like, you know, uh, uh, identity theft, fraud, forgery, anything like that, right? I mean, like, that's kind of what you're, what you're thinking about. Right. Um, or, or, you know, what about like, you know, um, well, here, right. When all else fails, handy dandy code book, code book. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking about like, um, you know, what yeah, enticing one, a child or something like that over the internet. Right. Often that's really what we're talking about. But I think at first blush, if I said the unlawful disclosure of intimate visual material over the internet, you would think computer, computer crime. crime, right? And, and so in that sense, um, it does kind of makes sense that you would think this this uh this could this could work but the computer crime is actually uh the um 
uh, th there's a list of them. Uh, breach of computer security, online solicitation of a minor. There we go. Are uh, the yeah. primary one. Tampering with a direct recording electronic and voting machine, online impersonation. So the ones that, the one that I've, that I've had the most is the online, online solicitation of a minor. I, I think I've had, well, a handful of those. Um, and it's, yeah. I've had them where it was an undercover cop on a sting. And I've also had it where it really was a minor. Um, uh, so that's a computer crime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a computer crime, but not under chapter 33. So the legislature, you know, just did not include this either. They should have included it in 33 or amended the, um, the jurisdiction or uh -huh. they didn't want it to be. Yeah. Or they didn't want either way. That doesn't really matter. No. Either way, this code that your that your client is charged with, the jurisdiction says that the only way the state gets there in this case is if it's under chapter 33. Right. Which it is not. Right. And then uh, 1319 of the code of criminal procedure. So those of you, uh, again, playing along at home, code of criminal procedure, article 13 uh, is venue. Um, so 13.1 says the defendant would have to be found in the state or an element of the crime committed here for the state anywhere to have venue. And some things are vague enough that pretty much any, any place where it's filed would work. Right. Um, maybe they can't find exactly where it was. Um, but the venue could be, you know, a couple of different counties, a couple whatever. of different yeah. counties. So like, for example, in this case, if they lived in, let's say, Austin and Waco, right, the, cri the, the crime, the, the email could have been sent out of Waco, McLennan County, and received in Travis County in Austin, and the defendant could live in Houston, or not the defendant, the, 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 the complainant, the complainant, yeah. thank you. So any one of those counties could have venue because an element of the crime or where the complainant lived, all would give a uh, venue. Yeah. Um, so that's 1318, jurisdiction where the crime was committed or any element. Uh, but where 1319, where the venue is under, undetermined, the offense was within this state and where defendant resides is apprehended or to which he is extradited. So basically, the only way they get any venue is that he was extradited to Tarrant County. Um, but again, you'd have to have venue um, uh, to get him here, right? Right. So, so the only well, that's way, a catch twenty-two. Right. So the only way he's ever been in the state of Texas is that he was brought here in chains, literally. But again, if they don't. Yeah. All right. So is that what the state's going to argue? I think that's what they've got to argue. Like it doesn't um, matter because he was extradited here. Right. But that's I, such a backwards. I, I think that's the only way they get here. But again, I'm going to say text penal code is very clear. Only chapter 30, uh, only section 33 applies. Um, and, uh, because Article 1325 provides that computer crimes may be prosecuted 
only under chapter 33 of the Texas Penal Code. I just, I don't know that they get there under the extradition because it's supposed, my understand, the way I'd read it is it's supposed to be that this is where he was extradited to based on, uh, like, on a computer crime. Yeah. Right? So I think this is one of those where I think, I, I think both of these probably are not ending with the motion to quash or the motion to suppress. I bet either win or lose, they're going to get appealed up, maybe as far up as the Court of Criminal Appeals. Because this one's new enough, I don't think it's ever been addressed. Yeah. Right? Right. Because when we visualize this case, we visualize, um, and, and this is where I've seen it, boy meets girl, they're young adults, um, she or he sends pictures to the other one going, here are my goodies. And then a week later they break up and, um, suddenly in the fight, all their friends receive pictures of their goodies. Yeah. Right. Is that a polite way of putting it? Well, that that's revenge porn. That's I'm going to put out this information that you sent to me or that you allowed me to take a picture of, uh, basically to spite you. Right. Yeah. And they're at the same university. They're in the same town. They may be in the same dorm. Yeah. I mean, these are right. It, but what do you do when you're when you're truly half a continent away? And every time this guy comes, he's having to fly in from half a continent away. Yeah, that's another issue. We were talking about this, like d- right. for so, a motion to quash, does does the defendant have to be there? I've asked the judge for the defendant not to have to be present because if there is no venue, why should my client have to appear? I, 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 and I said, judge, isn't this kind of like subject matter jurisdiction? If you show up, you're kind of giving some credence to the court that they have some authority over you. Yeah. Um, so if someone smarter than I hears this and knows the answer or wants to do a little research just because you're like, dude, this, this is jacked up and can find some case law on it, please let me know. I'd, I'd love to have some help. Uh, it's an appointed case. Uh, we have some really intelligent listeners out there. Uh, you're not getting any help from me, obviously. So yeah, please, please. If you do know the answer or willing to, to brief it, um, you know, contact us. Yeah. Especially on does, does he have to appear? And I've asked the judge to waive it and the judge, lots of judges don't like waiving a, a client's appearance, um, especially in a contested hearing. Um, that's generally not in a criminal case allowed. Um, but I'm, but I'm trying to save my guy somewhere between 500 and $1,500 or more just on money. He probably doesn't have since he can't afford an attorney. Right. Yeah. This is again, uh, it's an appointed client and, and yeah, but that doesn't mean you don't do the, do the work. And truly when I was looking at this going, um, this doesn't work. And I've notified the the prosecutor and haven't heard back. I mean, this is one where you go, I, I get it. It's naughty, right? Yeah. He, don't he, do it. But also that doesn't mean it's okay for the state or the government to, that's right. To not follow their own rules. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly right. So the motion to suppress and the motion to quash really, you know, again, we have people go, so you got them off on a technicality. No, 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 this is not a technicality. This is the constitution. This is, uh, the, the, the state's own rules. 
right? Right. It's kind of like saying, you know, um, in a football game where the kickoff, the guy takes it at the one and runs it back 99 yards and like, well, it's coming back because of a flag. Well, he wouldn't have scored a touchdown if the guy didn't hold. Yeah. Right. That that's, you aren't, it's not a technicality. Yeah. It's, it's not it, a technicality. You right. cheated. Right. Yeah. And, and it's something that sometimes when I'm watching a game and the flag's thrown, I'll actually say, you know, like instead of saying it was a foul, we'll go cheating on the offense, right? Just, just <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. That's what it is. If, if you, if you don't follow the rules, if the offensive lineman holds so that the defensive lineman doesn't sack the quarterback, that's cheating. You don't get to score a touchdown. If the cop leaves his jurisdiction, that's cheating. You don't get to, you don't get to make the arrest. If you don't follow exactly what the penal code says in prosecuting a, a charge, that's cheating. The guy gets to walk out. Yeah. Right. And, and I may, man, sometimes, sometimes in my preaching, I get a people, better illustration. I'm well, actually and people the, need a lesson in, in like what the framers are going through when they wrote the constitution. And, and not only that, like this is, you know, obviously the code of criminal procedure, the penal code and stuff that we're talking about today, but just in general, like, remember what life was like back in the 1700s or what the history books say, right? They were fighting tyranny. I mean, this is, if you just let the state not follow the law, not follow the rules, that's tyranny. That is cheating. You're right. Right. I, 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 I'm going to start calling it like it is. That's cheating judge. Yeah. Right. It's just like the offensive lineman holding the quarterback. You don't get to score a touchdown. The state doesn't get to, doesn't get to make the score on this one. Um, because they cheated. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Well, you just made Winston yawn, so I think it's time to wrap up. Oh, well, Winston was napping. <laughs> All right, so it probably is time to wrap up. Um, so I'm about to head down to South Padre for some uh, CLE. Uh, hopefully we'll find some, some friends down there to be on the show. Uh, we had a guest that was supposed to be on tomorrow, but because my docket got all jacked up, um, I'm not gonna be able to do that. So we're, so we're hoping to postpone that one. Yeah. If you have an idea for a topic, we love to hear them, uh, because well, Andy's smarter than I, but neither one of us are that smart. That's why we, uh, ramble through these. If you, yeah, if, if you don't give us topics, we're just going to keep talking about like what we did that day. Yeah. Which, you know, is not bad. It could be pretty entertaining. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's like Some, sometimes yeah yeah sometimes um sometimes it's kind of boring but uh if you do have an idea please email us um you can find us at texas crim defense.com uh, you can find us on facebook at andrew and andrew on texas criminal defense obviously you found a podcast if you're listening to this yeah um you can find us on twitter i think we've gained a few listeners or a few few followers um I'm too tired to come up with that that handle right now. Um, but also, if you just Google, if you Google Andrew Harith with a TH <laughs> or Andrew Decker. I appreciate you enunci enunciating that for I, us. I try that. So ironically, there is an Andrew J. Decker who is an attorney in Florida. That's not him. It, that's not me. It's not, it's not you, Decker. And, and if you call me trying to handle your civil matter in Florida, I'm going to go, hey, that's not me. But if you find Andrew Decker in Texas, probably that's me. God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for listening. Join us next time. <laughs>